time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 43 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens, more chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton, but most importantly, we hug chickens every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Coffee, coffee. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Pumpkin spice. Yay! If you're a fan of delicious coffee, scrumptious scones, and fabulous lunchtime specials, and you're local, head on over to Coffee Coffee. You will not be disappointed. Hey, lady. Hey. It's fall. It is. I love it. This is my favorite season of the year. Mine too. Got a sweater on. I love spring too, but fall's always been my favorite. Spring is like renewal. You're like, thank God spring's here. But right. fall is kind of like the relief, you know? From the like, heat. Yeah. Sweaters. Yeah. So I'm so excited for fall. I don't know about you, but I feel like baking all the time in the fall. Yes. Well, I'm really thinking about baking right now because we are ordering some apple trees. Yes. I want to go apple picking so Oh, soon. that sounds great. We're ordering a few apple trees to put in the garden, and I'm like scratching my head. I want all of them. Yeah, don't do crab apples. If I did a crab apple, it would actually be for hard cider. But I already have those. You don't need crab apples. Okay. You do sweet apples, so I can have some of your apples. I can do sweet apples and one cider apple. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, so. We figured it out. I made my pumpkin muffins the other day. The kids went crazy. They loved them. Nice. It's like football, leaves. It's all the things everybody talks about. I went to spin and knit, too. I want to do a sweater from one of the Hog Islands, I think. We're going to need it in our little chicken recording yeah. studio in the winter. It's chilly You're down here. Th- We're changing part of my basement into our chicken recording studio. Right, studio. And it is so cute right now. It's really awesome. We have a little wood stove down here, everything. It's cozy, but it does get chilly. It's going to get chilly. So I can knit us special chicken lady shawls. Oh, yes, we need those Blankets. when we're down here. Because we'll be like, man, it's cold. Yeah, it's hard to knit in the summer. You don't want all that wool sitting on your lap while you knit. But no. this time of year, oh, yeah. It is my most favorite time of the year. Yes. For sure. Mm-hmm. Bonfires. We need to do one back there, for sure. If we can just have a second to ask everybody a big favor. If you're listening to our show and loving it, if you could go over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review, it does amazing things for our show. It really does help us grow the podcast. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, you can go to our Etsy shop. You can buy one of our logo mugs if we have any left. They're almost There's gone. limited quantities for sure. But we do have our amazing short sleeve and long sleeve t-shirts and they ship free. You can also go to our Patreon page. You can pick one of the levels of membership. The 3 and $5 levels get you a free episode every month. And we do a Zoom once a month with all of our patrons. Yeah, and it's a happy hour, but at the same time, you can bring your questions to oh, us. Oh, yeah, it would be great. Yeah. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is buy products from our sponsors. Yay, yes. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. From now until the end of September, you can receive 25% off if you're a first-time buyer. We have a special discount code for our listeners, CWTCL25, for 25% off your first purchase. You can follow the link in our show notes. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot combine with any other discounts. If you haven't heard, Grubbly Farms has a brand new layer of crumbles food packed with plant and insect protein, perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. Plus, they're the perfect size for bantams and all products ship free. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. 
Use the code CWTCL25. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then, yeah. Let me just take a minute to tell everybody about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You cannot go wrong with these chicken teas. They are so soft and so cute. In the September Box, I absolutely love the rooster socks and the can of grasshoppers. It's amazing. I really love the Iron Trivet. I'm going to use it for all my entertaining, and I've got to keep the girls away from those chick notes for sure. Yeah. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order, and shipping is always free. To receive $5 off, use the code CWTCL at checkout. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. So now it's time for our spotlight. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. This week, we are spotlighting the absolutely beautiful Phoenix chicken. The Phoenix chicken. This is a chicken that would be in the Harry Potter movie. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yep. If and they didn't it- want to do a CG Phoenix, right? So the Phoenix is a really lovely, unusual breed of chicken. It's very unusual. Mm -hmm. Both males and females have very full, long tails. I mean, they're long. They are. Mm -hmm. And these birds have a lot of colors to them, which makes them very beautiful. The roos especially are really, really colorful. But the hens are pretty little birds. Yes, for sure. But they got a lot of booty. They do. We'll talk about that in a minute. So we'll just say this. While we're doing our breed spotlight, while we're recording today, everyone has probably heard about Gertie. Right. Gertie is with us in her stroller while we record. She is keeping us company, right? So if you hear little voices of chicken, that's Gertie. Just to let everybody know. She's paying attention, too. She's learning about the phoenix. Yes. So the phoenix were originally bred in Germany. And then that sort of spread out into Europe and the U.S. The phoenix has been in the U.S. since about the 1920s. And they were created from crosses with imported Japanese onagadori chickens. Which is where the tail comes from. Exactly, right. The Livestock Conservancy currently has the phoenix on the watch category of the poultry conservation list. Right. To understand the phoenix, we need a little bit of background on those onagadori chickens. Yeah, because that's a big part of what makes them themselves. Exactly. And the onagadori are an ornamental breed from Japan, and they are known for their extraordinarily long tail feathers. They molt every three years. Or more. Mind blown. My mind's been blown a lot lately. So that leads to tail feathers (laughs) that can be anywhere from 12 to 27 feet long, according to the Lovestack Conservancy. What happens is the feather doesn't fall out. It just continues to grow. It just continues to grow, right? So that's how the feathers get so long. Yeah, do look up the Anagadori if you have a chance. They are remarkable. Yeah, definitely. The Anagadori were developed in Japan from other Japanese longtail breeds. And those tail feathers were so extreme that the keepers would often tie the tails up with silk strips to help maintain the feathers. So I they mean, weren't dragging 20 feet of feather on the ground behind exactly. them. Exactly. you got to be watching these chickens. I mean, they're going to be stepping on their own tails, walking around. Exactly, yeah. It's the epitome of, like, somebody steps on your... Your long gown. From behind. Dress, yes. Oh. Oh, right? <laughs> so the phoenix is similar. 
But because they're derived from several European breeds, they molt every year or every other year. So their feathers do have some time to grow out, but not the same exact. Not that extreme. Exactly. Three years. I mean, your feather is going to be long. 20-some feet. The sickle feathers on the phoenix can reach lengths of about 24 to 48 plus inches. So they can still get pretty long. They're pretty long. The saddle feathers generally reach 12 to 18 inches. They're ready for the Oscars. Oh, it gives you this luxurious. <laughs> That's it, really, what it, is. it really, yeah. Can they have a red carpet? They, I don't see why <laughs> they not. Need they it. should. The Livestock Conservancy notes that the European Foundation breeds that were used for the Phoenix included the Leghorn. Shocker. Right? The Melee, the Modern Game, the Old English Game, a couple breeds that I've never heard of. The Rommel's Lore, mm-hmm. the Bruges Game, the Yokohama, and the Crouper. I've only heard of about half of those breeds. Yeah. The American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection notes that breeders working on the phoenix were trying to keep the long tail feathers of the Japanese birds while producing really stronger, more vigorous chickens. Yeah, they're basically the, they're bred to look very nice. They're highly ornamental, right? Right, but they need to be able to function in life. Right, so that molt every three years wouldn't work for a bird necessarily in Europe or the U.S. because it's too cold. They need fresh feathers they every winter. They need fresh feathers. Yeah. So the long tail comes from genes that cause multiple feathering and extreme length. And we know what length means, right? Mm-hmm. But the multiple feathering is a really interesting characteristic where in both hens and roosters, we see significantly more feathers in each part of the tail than in other breeds of Can chickens. Can you imagine how bad that molt will be every three years? Yeah, because what happens is they have more feather follicles and the more, feather no- right, more feather nodules in the tail. And so, let's say your leghorn has X amount of feathers. Right. Triple that. Yeah. That's how many needles are coming through. Exactly. I mean, that's got to be a painful natural process at that point. I would think so. Maybe that's why they evolved to only do it every three or four years. They're like, I can't take it anymore, man. I can't do it. So, these feathers mean that keepers do need to make some special provisions, including high roosts. Yeah, because you're going to be sitting on your tail. Right. Or (laughs) pooping on your tail. Yeah, or or dropping it down. And that's to keep the tail feathers clean and manageable. We also read that phoenix chicks and juveniles may require more protein than other breeds while they're growing their tail feathers. That makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. The phoenix is a relatively light-bodied chicken. Which also makes sense. It has leghorn in it. Exactly. The cockerels are about five and a half pounds and the hens... Four pounds. About four, yep. They have a medium-sized single comb. The roosters have the long hackle feathers as well as a really spectacular tail. Obviously, because roos always have the longer tails. This is my argument with all of this. <laughs> Here we go. The girls need some of this. Come on. I think the phoenix hens are quite lovely, actually. They are. I mean, and it's probably more manageable. They have an upright tail that's beautiful. It doesn't drag on the ground like the roosters. No, but we never get the green, beautiful feathers, all that stuff. My Jersey Giants have some beautiful green sheen. Oh, well, yeah. Our speckled Sussex do, too. Yeah. But I want some poof. It's some poof in the tail. Okay. So hens do have a long, full tail that's quite lovely on its own. As we said, it's more upright. For sure. The phoenix comes in two APA-recognized color varieties, the silver and the gold. Correct. Now, one time there was apparently a black-breasted red as well, but it's not in the latest printing of the Standard of Perfection. So maybe that was dropped. There are other non-APA colors. There's a silver duckwing and some other colors. They're really, really beautiful birds. They are beautiful. Phoenix hens are decent layers of white to cream colored eggs. Two eggs per week is not good. They average two. I mean, you know, you're going to have some hens who do three a week, some hens who do one a week. You're not getting this chicken to lay you eggs. No. These are ornamental chickens. These are chickens that you have as clearly just pets that you love. 
because they look really pretty. Right. And it's not an egg layer breed. Right. But they're beautiful. They're really beautiful. Now, I found lots of places where they were called unfriendly, but the same sources admitted that they weren't handled a lot. If they're handled a lot, you might be able to make friends with them. I think that really remains to be seen, honestly. Yeah, I think any chicken, if you handle enough. Agreed. Yeah. You can make them a lovey chicken. You have to just stay patient and handle them a ton. Absolutely. They like to forage. They need a decent amount of coop and run space to manage that long tail to help keep it clean, <laughs> etc. They need an entourage. Right? So they pick that tail up <laughs> They for need them. like people who walk around them all day and just carry the tail. Carry the tail, yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, where's my person to carry my tail? <laughs> they do go broody. And the hens are said to be very good mothers. So that's lovely. Yeah. So if you want a Phoenix chicken, where do you get it? Yeah, where do you get it? You can start with the Livestock Conservancy's Breeder Directory. Always start there for the heritage breed. See if there's anyone local. You can Google Phoenix and see if you can find any other local breeders. When we were at the Maryland Poultry Swap, yeah. there was a vendor who was selling a lot of gorgeous heritage breeds, and he did have Phoenix chicks. I remember. Chicks. It is a breed that's out there. And the other thing that you can remember about this chicken is it may be a good chicken to show. If you're into showing chickens... I would imagine they would that be this would be one that you would get also, which I didn't even mention before. If you're not in it for eggs, you're in it to show chickens, this is one that you want to go for. Oh, yeah. If you're just looking for pet quality Phoenix chicks, a lot of the big hatcheries carry them. They do. They are readily available. Although if you want show lines, you might want to find an independent breeder, breeder. who's been working exactly. on confirmation and show lines. Yeah. But that's probably why they're on the watch list and they're not more endangered. Because they are readily available from That's these good. places. Yeah, it is great. I really like this chicken. I think they need an entourage for their tail. I think they do. They need somebody carrying that tail all the time. Check it out if you want to see it. It's really cool. You can't go wrong. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. So this week's main topic, we're talking to Lauren from Northwoods Poultry. She's going to be our main topic and she's going to be our retail therapist. Right. Enjoy. Hey, Lauren, how are you doing? I am great. It's beautiful weather here today in Ohio, so I'm a happy camper because it's finally not 90 degrees. We second that here in Maryland. It's yes. so beautiful out there. The fact that we're in our little chicken room studio, we're kind of like, oh. Yeah, I can see the sun. Oh, like yeah. The window is up above <laughs> us. We're looking up at the sun. We're like, can we do yeah. this outside, please? I know. <laughs> yeah. I think that would probably have some audio repercussions if you did. But Oh, yes. <laughs> Big ones. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we want to ask, what came first, the chickens or the hatchery? Okay. So I love this question. And the short answer is the chickens came first. We were not necessarily seeking to own a hatchery. So I grew up in 4-H and FFA and just always doing animals, animals, animals. And it was just a passion of mine, pretty much like from the womb. I think I've always been an animal awesome. lover. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really never did chicken projects actually as a kid. My sister had chickens and she had a few bantams and kind of did a few chicken projects in 4-H, but 
it wasn't something I was ever into. I was into like the bigger animals, the pigs and the goats and all that. Anyways, I knew I wanted to do something in agriculture with my life. And I thought I wanted to be a vet. You know, what kid who loves animals doesn't want to be a vet? So I went to Ohio State. I was a pre-vet major and I was taking my first chemistry class. And I quickly figured out that the vet path was not going to be the path for me. I'm just a creative at heart. I just enjoy kind of the more creative, abstract aspects of life. Science is very overwhelming to me. So I switched my major to agricultural communications and I kind of followed that path for a while. I actually worked for a regional feed company here in the Midwest. Nice. Designer. Yeah. So that was a really cool way to kind of get started in a career in this industry. I got married, got pregnant, decided to be a stay-at-home mom. That was just a decision we made as a family. And actually after the birth of my second child, my son, I was just feeling very kind of in a funk. Like I just wanted to have an outlet for these animals. I mean, we had a cat, you know, (laughs) I just needed that livestock side. And so Mm -hmm. we went out one night to our local feed store and picked up six little pullet chicks. And that's where it all began. Six chicks has turned into a big hatchery. (laughs) hatchery. So it was 2020 and, you know, the craziness that that was for us Mm -hmm. all. One of those hens actually went broody and I got some fertile eggs for her and I hatched chicks and I was hooked. It was just, I mean, it sounds crazy to say like, it was like a spiritual experience. It was so moving just to see her do that and to see her care for these chicks. And it was just incredible. And I was hooked from that point forward. And I was really wanting to get into this world a little bit more, but I didn't know at the time what that really looked like. And so that kind of goes into the next part of our story, I think. And we totally get it. Even though I've had chickens for 20 years, I hatched the first time this summer and it's just magic. It really is. That's exactly, I say that it's magic. It's it is magic to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So how in the world did you find a hatchery for sale? Were you actively looking or did you just stumble over it? Yeah. So kind of in that kind of downloading, like, okay, what does it mean for me to get more involved in this world, like of Mm -hmm. hatching? And, you know, I was really starting to research specific breeds and because I still just had kind of this mixed flock of Uh Mm -hmm. chickens that we had picked up. And I don't even remember now what I was researching, like which breed, but I was seeking a specific breed and I came across Northwoods poultry and they must've had the breed I was looking for, I guess. I'm not sure. I literally okay. just Googled it. Okay. And, so you uh, were looking for chickens yes, and in that yeah. looking for chickens, you found a hatchery that carried the chickens that you wanted and then found that they were for sale. Yeah. And right on their wow. homepage, it says Northwoods poultry is for sale. And it had a contact number. And I called my husband and I was like, I think I'm going to ask about this. And I had been sharing kind of my vision with him a little bit of doing something with breeding chickens. And Mm -hmm. so it wasn't out of like left field, but we just didn't know what we didn't know. And so I was like, I need to at least ask and see what this is all about. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, I'm FaceTiming with the owner of Northwoods Poultry and she's showing me around and one thing happens next and we're going up to North Wisconsin, driving up there to visit Northwoods Poultry and get to know the owner and really like see what this is all about. So all of a sudden we are actively looking at buying this hatchery. 
So when you purchase the hatchery, does it include all of the equipment that you need? At her facility, she had a designated barn that she had made for her hatchery. And inside of the barn were pens that the birds were in and they could also get out. So there were runs on the outside too. So it basically included all the birds, all the incubators and hatching equipment, lots of shipping supplies. It included even down to like the pens. So we literally took down her barn, (laughs) all the pens, all the runs, loaded them up. It included her social media presence. Oh, so you just picked up on her social media accounts. You just started taking over those. So you already had a basis of a following, which was really good. Yeah, that's kind of how I explained it to my husband is I see this vision of where I want to be. And I'm like, she just kind of has like a 10 year leg up on me because she has the clients, you know, I could start from our little flock and really just work my way up, which it still kind of feels like that in a way, but we just have this client base. That's great. And our customers are so wonderful and so loyal and it's just been really, really cool. So that's fantastic. Yeah. I guess that's what they call a turnkey business. Exactly. Pretty much. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there's things we've adjusted and changed just to kind of fit our own lifestyle. You know, it's not like we are fully replicating exactly what she did. So that leads us to the next question. Yeah. So this is what we're dying to know. What does a regular day at the hatchery look like? My typical day, I am still a quote, stay at home mom, but also like a work from home mom full time, 24, seven, 365. So it's like, you know, it's a lot. My kids are five, three and two months old. My day kind of looks like getting up and momming for like the good part of the day. My husband still works a full-time job. He's usually gone by the time all of us and the kids are up in the morning. And so I will go out and oftentimes just do a quick walk around outside and just check on everybody. And there's a few coops that I actually let out in the mornings. And then I'm inside momming all day and we're doing stay-at-home mom stuff, (laughs) dishes and laundry and TV shows and homeschooling and just this, that, and the other. And then when my husband gets home, I will take that evening time to go out and do chores. And that is like my me time. I love it. I put in my AirPods. I listen to podcasts, listen to you guys lately. (laughs) um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm feeding, I'm watering. I am cleaning coops. I'm moving chickens from pen to pen. But as far as like the hatching side, I collect eggs every single day on Mondays. I put eggs in the incubator, which means they hatch on a Monday. Mm -hmm. And then Tuesdays are our shipping day. So Tuesdays, I try to have childcare. So I am packing chicks and doing all the shipping stuff and getting them to the post office in time for our express truck. Yeah. Yeah. You want to make sure you get to that truck on time because that 24-hour turnover is so important. Oh, so important. So what kind of breeds are you concentrating on right now? We have a little bit of everything going on right now. And what was interesting about buying someone's business that I really didn't think about until we were in it is like, we were kind of inheriting someone else's vision, certain breeds that just really did not resonate with me. It sounds weird, but just like, as I got to know kind of all the different flocks and experiencing what customers were wanting and things like that, there have been a few breeds that we've retired and my focus has been that rainbow egg basket we inherited Americanas and Marins. So those were our big colored layers. 
We have added Silver Reds Blue, Cream Leg Bars, the American Breasts, which is a sustainable yes. meat bird that we're super excited about. Those are the big three. And really my focus this year has been on bringing in some new genetics, just so I feel good about our lines, especially our silkies are always our most popular. So, I was going to say, we see on your website that you have silkies yes. and one of our all-time favorites, the salmon, salmon favorals. Oh, <laughs> so, yes. I know you guys talk about the salmon favorals all the time. I love I them. Know. them. We adorable. love them. So how do people generally react to your decision to sell straight run chicks? We actually love that decision because we like the person being able to decide their own rooster plan as it comes to them versus Mm -hmm. you as a hatchery having to decide on birth. Part of it is totally just practical. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to sex chicks. And there's even some question as to the reliability of sexed chicks. I bought pullets as my very first chicks and they all turned out to be pullets, but you always hear of people that are like, it's supposed to be a pullet and it's not. There's definitely a rate of error there. Yeah. So I would much rather educate people about rooster care, or I love that you guys always talk about a rooster plan. I would much rather have people be prepared for a rooster rather than oopsie daisy. We got a rooster and we have no idea what to do. So I honestly don't get a lot of questions about the straight run. Every once in a while, I will. And here's what I've kind of figured out. I think for the most part, people apprehensive about straight run are first-time chicken owners. Mm -hmm. And I get it. I was there too. I bought six pullets to start. And it's very intimidating to think of taking on a rooster when you're not even really used to chickens. So I find that we get a lot of folks that are already chicken owners and now they're seeking out specific breeds and they really don't care. They're very open to having roosters. They Mm -hmm. probably have a rooster plan. So it's kind of our demographic a little bit. You said you had leg bars, right? We do have leg bars. We actually have not sold them yet because I'm still growing at our flock. If you have new buyers coming to you, you can steer them towards the leg bars, which are an amazing auto-sexing breed. It's not yeah. like the leg bar is a booby prize. It's an amazing little breed of chicken. We're in love with it. Which them. we each have two now. And we love. I think there's a big movement right now on social media about roosters. I don't know if you guys have followed the hashtag rethink the rooster, but there's several big names kind of in the chicken role on Instagram that are jumping in on this idea of rethinking the rooster. Roosters have natural instincts and working with those instincts instead of against them and not being so offended when they act like a rooster, but exactly um, right. Taking things on the front end and being like, okay, how can I respect this rooster and in turn teach him to respect me? So I would encourage people if they're apprehensive to look into just like scroll through hashtag rethink the rooster. We've always worked towards that end. Honestly, I hadn't seen that hashtag yet, but we will look it up. Yeah. Um, That's always been our focus. I've had roosters from the very beginning. So it's so good that you actually, as a hatchery, have made the decision to vaccinate all your birds for Americs. We applaud you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. What went into your decision to do this? And what is it like on your end to have to procure the vaccine? We get our vaccine online and we do buy it in bulk. I think I can buy it like 10 at a time. 
and it comes overnight, like packed in dry ice. And it's like a whole thing and you have to keep it cold. Mm -hmm. So I do think that is a big barrier for small scale breeders because it's hard to want to spend that kind of money. I suppose maybe once a year you could buy all 10 and just keep them. I think they would keep that long in the fridge. This was also a policy that we just inherited. And so I've learned a lot from the old owner about just being proactive in this way. And, you know, Merix is one of those things. There's so many, if you Google Merix or like symptoms or does my chicken have, it's like everything else is very straightforward as far as chicken health. And for some reason, it seems like everyone has a different opinion and we don't know. And it shows in so many different ways. It's a virus and it can affect many different right. things. It's so, kind of, my right, husband like, calls it chicken AIDS, which is not a joke. It, yeah. seriously, it seriously behaves the same way in a lot of ways. It affects so. the whole body in yeah. different ways. So it's hard. Paralysis and different things. And yeah. so for us, it's just a precaution as far as for our flock. I don't just vaccinate everyone across the board. Any that we keep for any more than a day because they get vaccinated basically straight out of the hatcher people can opt not to get the vaccine. We do have that option, but I would say like 95% of people choose to get it, which I think is great. It's pretty cost-effective on the consumer's end, right? What do you charge a couple dollars for it? We charge two extra dollars a chick and that's just simple math. I mean, we're not making money on that by any means. It's just like, here's what the vaccine costs and divide it out. I like the fact that you do it. You picked it up Mm -hmm. you did it. And you've learned about it. It's amazing. Man, I'm getting my vet hat on, you know, like I'm vaccinating chicks. The old owner, she taught me how to do it. And I'm like these little tiny chicks and you use like this little teeny insulin needle, you know, a little stressful, but I actually like, I feel like I have the magic touch now. I've done it enough times. Here's a big question. Probably everybody's kind of thinking, do you use incubators for every hatch or do you let some of your chickens go broody and do it the natural way also? We use incubators pretty much exclusively just so I can time things out and have the chicks hatch at an appropriate time for shipping. I make sure to pull those eggs out every day because that will throw off your hatch quite a bit if you even let them sit for a day or two. Depending on the time of year, we have let a few go. We had some splash marins that hatched chicks this summer and we were, we were kind of like just in catch up mode. And so we just kind of let them do their thing. I would love to use broody hens because like I said, that was kind of what kickstarted for me. This whole thing was just seeing that. But as far as from a business side and with the shipping, especially, we just have to make it work time-wise. And so that makes complete sense. Yeah. I would imagine it's organization. That organization is is paramount to having this work for you. And I'm so with you. Once you have hatched chicks, it changes your whole outlook on chickens in general. It's just amazing. Uh Yeah, it does. We love a story where someone isn't given like the perfect scenario. You're doing your hatchery on one acre in Ohio and you're making your dream come true. And we love this. Yeah. Your inspiration to somebody else out there who's going to hear this and maybe want to do something (laughs) like that. And they're like, I don't have the space. I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing what you can do when you want to do something. So tell us, how does it work on the one acre? As far as the hatchery side, our incubators are in our house. We have a very small house. I think our house is right at a thousand square feet, three bedrooms. All the kids share a room and our third bedroom is our hatchery where we keep our incubators and our shipping supplies and just all things chicken. And as far as our acreage, 
We have kind of a funky lot. We do have an acre, but it's in two parcels. And we have this second parcel of land that's just this long strip of land is the best way I can describe it. It's like a landing strip. And I think the previous owner used it as kind of an in-ground garden area. It's just like kind of isolated over on the side of our property. And it's interesting because when we first bought the hatchery, we actually moved it here. And my grandpa owns 10 acres with just a pole barn, just a few blocks away from us. And we were planning to basically replicate her setup at his barn And we quickly realized, especially with the kids and, you know, it gets dark at 5 PM and just having to constantly drive to get to our birds, even just a few blocks away, you know, we've got to figure out how to make this work here on our property. And so I was talking this over with a friend of mine and she looked over at that piece of property next to us, that weird kind of parcel we have. And she was like, why don't you just put chicken coops like all the way down in that grass over there? And I was like, you know what? Maybe we could do that. So one thing led to the next. And it was like the week of Christmas. We ordered 16 chicken coops from Tractor Supply. Wow. (laughs) They're all the same. A semi came and delivered them. And my husband spent the next month, like every weekend in January, he is out there putting these chicken coops together. And we just gradually kind of moved everything again over from my grandpa's barn. So that kind of ended up being just a temporary holding place. And so it's been a lot of just, I don't want to say winging it, but kind of like, we're just trying trying things. Yeah, trying things. We just have to like make this thing work for our lifestyle right now. And that has obstacles. We don't have endless space. And so we have to get creative with how we house our birds and looking at it now, like kind of from an outside perspective, it's pretty incredible. These chickens have safe, secure coops. They have really pretty significant size run space for each coop. And we actually ended up getting a Great Pyrenees and she patrols that whole area back there. Oh, that's nice. That's fantastic. If you have a dream, you can make it work. Even if you're not given the most perfect opportunity, yeah. Yeah. You found the way yeah. to make it work with what you have. And does it make you happy? Oh, so happy. It's stressful. Don't get me wrong. It's running a real business. Yes. Three little kids and my husband works full time. And so there's a lot going on every single day, but we have this vision that one day this thing would really just take off and maybe my husband could stay home with us and we could be like full-time chicken farmers. So it's kind of like a scaling up thing, but we have to start somewhere. That would be my encouragement is if you have a dream, just start doing something. It doesn't have to be like full blown. There's a book out there about breeding chickens. Mm -hmm. And as you were talking, the title just kept flashing in my head. It's called Start Where You Are With What You Have. Yep. Yes, exactly. So we're going to ask you the most unfair question (laughs) of all time. Okay. (laughs) We ask everyone, what is your personal favorite breed of chicken? Yeah, that is an unfair question. Yes, it is. Well, what's funny is I have declared a favorite breed, like just within the past month. That's okay. Tell us. The Silver Road's blue. I cannot get over these birds. In my opinion, they are like the penultimate chicken because they're beautiful chickens. They are. They have these soulful, dark eyes. And that's actually a breed characteristic. They're blue, black, and splash. And can I just say the splash is my absolute favorite. Oh, I don't it's know gorgeous. If 
they're almost like, have you seen Ermanette Americans where it's like the splash pattern is so distinct. These splash almost borderline on like an Ermanette. They lay the most beautiful eggs. I just can't get, it's like an olive agar meets an Americana meets a well summer because they're speckly too. Like on top of that, they just blow my mind and they are machines with the egg laying. I think my hens, each of them, I think lay one egg a day, every single day of the week. That's like my Lucy, the leghorn. There's nothing better than that. I just love them. The story of Silverwood's Blue is really interesting. The heritage breeds he used to make this amazing chicken. It's fascinating all the way around. Teddy is online on on Therapy Chickens, Instagram and on Etsy Therapy Chickens. Teddy has one. She's a splash and she's just to die for gorgeous. There's nothing about that chicken that I don't like. I love everything about that. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. I'm like, if I were to have to choose one bird to have for the rest of time, this would be it because they're beautiful. They lay a beautiful egg. They lay like crazy. Just like, I mean, (laughs) you just can't go wrong. I was laughing because I listened to your ice bar episode, which people should know if they listened to that episode, they would know ice bar and blue can be interchangeable. If you get on the breed association, they have their opinion about silver reds blue (laughs) is the only way, you know? And so anyway, it's a whole thing. I'm not a purist in that way. So I'm like, I could call them either and I'm, I'm okay. I'm not going to get upset. And so anyway, you guys were talking about ice bars and you said, it always makes you think of ice cream bars. (laughs) I said that, yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) what I was going to tell you is like, oh my goodness, I'm going to come on here and I need to tell you, we sell ice cream bars because we breed our silver reds blue, otherwise known as ice bars with a cream leg bar rooster. So ice cream bar. (laughs) Okay. You can't go wrong. That's my line. I say all the time. How can you not go wrong with this? They are in stock on our website. I have them. She thinks I'm crazy over here, but I'm not. I just laughed as I do. And so that creates its own interesting breed because you have a cream leg bar, which lays that bright blue egg. And then the green speckly situation. Oh, wow. It's a fun breed. We wanted to let everybody know how to get in touch with you, where you are on social media. You're on Instagram, Northwoods Poultry, correct? Yep, Northwoods.poultry. Okay. And you have a website that is gorgeous. We love your website. It has all of the chickens that you sell. And you're doing all the right things. We love it. We want people to go to your website. Look at these little chicks. Those silky splash, man. I need one of those. (laughs) They're so pretty. They're so cute. Are you on Facebook? Facebook is actually probably our biggest social media, but I'm really trying to get the Instagram thing going because that's more my like visual style, you know. Give Northwoods Poultry a follow. We want to thank Lauren for coming on. It's been fantastic meeting you. So fun. We always say this. We want to have you back on later. Yes. Lauren, friend for life now. Here we go. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Women supporting women. That's what we do. So so everybody check out Northwoods Poultry. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys. You have a great weekend. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Now it's time for... Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. This week, we're doing one of my favorites because I like easy. We all know this by now. (laughs) Right. It's sheet pan eggs and veggies. And it is easy and it is delicious. And you could feed your family with one pan. You can. Actually, you can feed a lot of people. It depends on the size of the pan you want to use. I try to buy the biggest like cookie sheets I can find. 
So because I'm a semi-professional baker, mm-hmm. I have some really nice sheet pans. I have a half sheet pan. Right. And that's big enough generally to feed your family. Right. And then I have the full sheet pan, which you could probably use if you're having people for brunch, something like that. I just love the full sheet pan recipes. Right. As we said, sheet pan eggs are a great way to cook a lot of eggs at once. Oh, yes. You could feed a crowd, but you could also make a sheet and cut them into portions for a week's breakfast, something like that. The other neat thing with the sheet pan eggs is you can make them as fried eggs or you can scramble them into a giant omelet. Both ways work. Oh, yeah. We chose fried eggs because it leaves you with one less bowl to wash. Oh, yeah. And this recipe uses up a lot of eggs. You're putting them on the sheet so they cook right there. Right. And in between the eggs, you're adding what you want. Yes. So we decided to do roasted veggies. Yes. With they our were eggs. so good. Yeah. So we used finely chopped sweet potato, finely chopped broccoli and cauliflower florets, a diced onion, and our special touch, a handful of small whole garlic cloves. Yeah. Here's the thing to remember about one pan dishes. Everything has to be uniform shaped. The size, right. The size of it. Right. Because if not, you could have one thing half cooked, one thing overcooked. Exactly. So when you make these, just make sure everything is around the same size. Yeah. And if you choose to leave it bigger, you can. You just need to bake it for longer. Exactly. If you want bigger pieces, make everything bigger. Right. How much of each vegetable you use depends on the size of your baking sheet. Exactly. So we did essentially a half sheet. Yeah. You can double that easily and do a full sheet. This is something that you don't have to have like an exact number it's as you go. Right. What fits on the sheet. The other thing with pan sheets to remember is you don't want things overlapping other things. Right. Because then they won't cook. You want more or less in a thin layer. Thin layer, uniform yeah. across the baking sheet. You can also keep the seasonal. So in spring, you could use asparagus and maybe last winter's potatoes. Or you could do peppers and squash in the summer. Yeah, I try to get asparagus constantly. I love it. Uh-huh. It never tastes as good as it does fresh in the spring, oh, though. Oh, the spring, it's the best. Yeah. But the ones that are your favorites, use. Mm-hmm. I love all of them. Me so, too. And broccoli, cauliflower, zucchini, all that stuff roast really well. They're delicious. The eggs. And when you roast it all together, your protein is your egg. Oh, yeah. So it's great. And you can season it the way you like with olive oil and we did salt and pepper. Right. As we said, when you put it in a mostly single layer on a baking sheet, you don't have yeah. to be crazy about it, but as flat as you can. Drizzle it with olive oil, sprinkle it with the salt and pepper. Right. Have you ever tried white pepper on roasted vegetables? I have a McCormick's mix for roasted vegetables, and it has white has pepper. A white, yeah, white pepper for some reason is delicious on roasted veggies. Yeah. So you can put your salt and pepper on, white pepper if you have it, and then you roast it in an oven on 425 degrees for about 30 to 40 minutes. Keep an eye on it. Yeah. And halfway through that time, it's usually a good idea to pull out your sheet and flip the veggies over. Once your vegetables are pretty much done, you're going to take the sheet out of the oven and you're going to use a large spoon and make indentations or little wells yeah. in all the roasted veggies. We're going to crack one egg into each indentation. Exactly. Put it right back in the oven. And let it cook. You bake it for about five more minutes until the egg whites are set and the consistency you want. Mm-hmm. And then take it out and pretty much serve it immediately. Just get a spatula and yeah. serve it. You can serve it with a nice crusty bread, a gluten-free bread, right. with toast. Yeah. With biscuits. You can even put some bacon with it. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to do that, we did the veggies. We did it with veg, but I think pre-cooked meat is probably best if you're going to go that route. Yes. But yeah, you can change it however you want. You can make Southwest eggs. You could make... You can make it Italian eggs and just use Italian seasoning with the veggies. You know, it'd be really good. Tomatoes. 
Spring vegetables with pesto and yeah. egg would be amazing. That would be really good. Yeah. So I would love next time we had tomato too. Yes. I mean, because those things, because tomato Actually, and egg go so well. Yes. And some of my favorite renditions of this have been summer zucchini, tomatoes, and onion. That's my favorite combo. It's delicious. Love it. Yeah. So it's another way, and I say this every week, but everyone's like, what do I do with all these eggs? This is another way to feed everyone. It's different. Yes. And it's a great way. You could even put it over salad greens, to be honest with you. You really could. The sweet potatoes give it that fall touch, and they go so well with the eggs. But absolutely, I think over salad greens would be delicious. It would be really, really good. So that's a great recipe. One pan feeds a lot of people. Check it out. Send us pictures. Yes. So pretty also. So should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, we're going to spotlight the lovely... Astralorp chicken. Yay! We're going to be talking about lead poisoning with yes. our vet, Dr. Rebecca. Our special guest. Yes. We can't wait no, for Dr. Rebecca to come on. Really looking forward to it. Our recipe is fried green tomatoes. You can't go wrong. And our retail therapy is vintage egg baskets. It's good stuff. So what should everybody do in the meantime? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>